Okay, got a nice, pretty fall day today. Uh, I'll try not to be too long, but of course I want to deliver God's message. Um, I was having a little trouble figuring out what I was supposed to preach this week, and when I do that, I turn to prayer and I start asking God. Of course, I'm asking Him anyway, but like God, I really need that message. It's Saturday night. <laughs> the only thing come to me was, when you can't think of what to preach, preach Christ. Preach redemption. Preach restoration. And when he said preach restoration and redemption, I instantly went to Isaiah 43. Uh, one of our favorite shows here lately has been The Chosen. I don't know if any of you have seen it or heard of it. Really great show. At the very start of the very first episode, we see Mary Magdalene as a child and her father giving her the first verse in Isaiah 43. And he reminds her to speak these words. And as the story goes on in the first episode we see her struggling with demons and everything else and we see her sitting in a bar at the end of the first episode and as she's sitting there she's asking for a drink and the bartender sits in front of her and we get our first glimpse of Jesus and he puts his hands over the drink and says it's not for her and she gets up and runs out of the bar and he calls her by name and he recites these words to her. And not by the name that she had been going by, but by her actual name. So it's a real touching and emotional scene. And it speaks volumes to most believers because we have gone through something similar. It may not be drink. It may not be demon possession. It may not be drugs. It's we know what it's like to be in that sin life and to have Jesus call us by name. And so I looked at the entire scripture from that chapter and it speaks about the redemption that we get through Christ and the restoration that he puts in us because we see what God did for the Israelite nation so long ago and what his plan was for them, that they're going to have to go through some things and go through some captivity, but he will redeem them, and he will restore them. And God has done that for us through Jesus Christ. And so as we turn to Isaiah 43, we begin to read the first seven verses. I'm going to break this up in a little bit of in little chunks here. The first seven verses says, Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob. The one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and a flame will not burn you. For I am your Lord, 
the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. And I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my daughters from far away, or my sons from far away, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who hears my name and is created for my glory, I have formed them. Indeed, I have made them. You see, God's telling Israel that everything you're going through, you're mine. I've called you by name. He says, I named you. You're mine. I've redeemed you. You're mine. No matter what stands against you, you're mine. And I'm with you through all of it. And see, when we give in to Christ and we allow Christ to be our Savior, He does the same for us. He's called us by name. We're His. He is with us no matter what we're going through. No matter what struggles or pains we're facing. He is with us. And He redeems us. And as we continue on, we see one of the ways He does that is by washing away those things of the past that we think are holding us back. Those things that we think are shameful and are going to keep us from seeing His glory. See, in verses 8 through 13, God chooses us for a purpose. He says, Bring out a people who are blind, yet have eyes and are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations are gathered together, and the peoples are assembled. Who among them can declare this and tell us the former things? Let them present their witnesses to vindicate themselves, so that the people may hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses. God is saying we're his witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration. And my servant whom I have chosen. So that you may know and believe me. We are his witnesses and his chosen. So that the world may know and believe him. And understand that I am He. No God was formed before me, and there will be none after me. I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no Savior. I alone declared, saved, and proclaimed, and not some foreign God among you. So you are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration, and I am God. Also, from today on, I am He alone, and none can rescue from my power, I act, and who can reverse it? God Almighty <laughs> has declared us His chosen people. He has called us by name. He is our Savior. There is no force created in this earth that can stand against Him. He is standing for us. We are chosen for His purpose, to be His witnesses his chosen people to share his glory and his gospel to this broken and lost world. Because God has offered redemption to all people through Jesus Christ and he has chosen us to be that voice to be his advocate here in this world to be his 
um, ambassador in this foreign land. But he doesn't allow us to fight alone either. As we continue on, we see in verses 14 and 15, it says, This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says, Because of you I will send an army to Babylon and bring all of them as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. God will fight the battles. Hand them over to Him. You're going through something, hand that battle over to Him. He will face your enemies. He will conquer those who oppose you. It doesn't matter what trouble you go through if you trust in God because God will take care of it in the end. We are given eternal promises through Jesus Christ. There's no force on this earth that can overcome eternity with God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ we have gained redemption and restoration so that we will be made perfect in His glory. Whatever we face here, whatever troubles we go through, go through it knowing that on the other side of all things we are His. We have been chosen by Him. In the next few verses, we kind of see something that we've seen before in the past, or before common uh, verses in the New Testament. Starting in verse 16 here, it says, This is what the Lord says, Who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water? Who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army, the mighty one together, they lie down, they do not rise again. They are extinguished, put out like a wick. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, wild animals, jackals, and ostriches will honor me because I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. You see, when he washes away our sins, we're no longer that old creature. Things of the past are forgotten. We become something new. He irrigates the desert of our dry heart and fills it with living water. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and look, new things have come. You see the similarities in the Scripture here. Because that's what God has done to redeem us. In Christ, we have been arrogated. The dryness and the bitterness of sin is washed away by the flowing water of life that comes through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus referred to himself as living water for that reason. Because he knew he would break new ground in someone's heart. He knew that he would restore what once was beautiful, lush wilderness in a dry desert place. 
We also now see this very prophecy being fulfilled in real time in Israel right now. What once was dry desert land is flourishing wilderness at this point. New plants are growing in Israel. The deserts are turning green. New rivers have started flowing through the land. It is fulfillment of prophecy. It's almost twofold. We get to see the physical world prophecy being fulfilled, but the spiritual prophecy had been fulfilled for 2,000 years from a cross on Calvary. An empty grave. Because our Savior lives. And as we wrap up Isaiah 43, we see something that we probably wouldn't have expected. Starting in verse 22, it says, But Jacob, you have not called on me, because Israel, you have become weary of me. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with incense. You have not brought me aromatic cane with silver or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins and you have wearied me with your inequities. I, this is God speaking, I sweep away your transgressions for my, for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Remind me, let's argue the case together, recount the facts so that you may be vindicated. Your first father sinned, and your mediators have rebelled against me. So I defiled the officers of the sanctuary and set Jacob apart for destruction and Israel for scorn. You see, God is telling us that you've abandoned me. God is speaking. You've abandoned me. Israel has abandoned God. 400 years of silence when the Messiah came. But he said to sweep it all away. Not just, not just yours, Israel, but the whole world's. All you have to do is accept my son. I put my son in your place. You haven't offered a burnt offering. You haven't offered incense. You haven't offered silver or anything else. But I offer my son for my sake. Because you cannot pay the price that's, that's tallied up. I'll remember your sins no more. But he also says for those who want to keep a record, let's keep a record. And you'll see you'll be set apart if you wish to hold on to that. He's saying let go of it. I have. But if you want to hold on to it, there's a price. You'll be set apart. You'll be defiled. You'll be destroyed. Because you'll spend eternity in hell if you want to hold on to that past. Instead of letting it go and giving it to Jesus Christ and letting Him be your Savior. Let Him be your Redeemer. Let Him vindicate you and take your place. Because the price has already been paid. All you have to do is say yes or no. Yes, Jesus, 
thank you for paying that price. Forgive me my sins. He'll say, son, I already have. Daughter, they're already gone. But if you say, no thanks, I'll take care of it. And say, you can't handle that price. But here you go. He's not forcing it on anybody. It's a free gift offering. The price has already been paid. All you got to do is pick it up. See Romans chapter 5 verse 9. It says, Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from wrath. For if while we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received this reconciliation through Him. Paul is telling the people in Rome, it's through Christ that we are reconciled. It's through Christ that we find restoration to become that new creature, to become whole through sanctification. It's through Christ that we are saved. In Him we find salvation. It's in Him that we are redeemed and called by name and chosen for His purpose. God has a plan for every single one of us. It's, whether, it's up to us whether or not we want to give in to that plan or if we want to keep trying to steer the ship ourselves. It's completely up to us. And I ask if you haven't made that decision, please, please, accept Christ. Give in to Him. Lean into Him. Trust Him. The biggest free will decision there is is to give up your free will for His plan. And it's an amazing decision to watch God work through somebody who wholeheartedly chooses to follow Him. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, please be with each and every one of us and weigh on our hearts the importance of the decision whether we choose to follow you or choose to walk away. That It's an eternal decision. It's an eternal decision. And that if anybody is on the fence about it, Lord, I ask that it, your will be what edges them over so that they choose you, they choose life, they choose glory, and that they humble themselves to your will and give in to you and hear you call their name so that they can be restored and redeemed by your blood that was sacrificed so long ago for our sake, for your sake. I ask that if they're thinking about it, you weigh heavy on their mind. And if they're not thinking about it, if they're just trying to live their life, Lord, 
put one of us in their way. Put one of us in their presence to speak truth and life to them so that they can begin that journey into your arms. We are here as your witnesses and your servants, your chosen people, for your purpose. I ask that if anybody's trying to hold back, that they give in and let your purpose be their purpose. I ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.